You're now listening to Fundamental Fast Pitch. All right, guys, welcome back. It's Mike here again with Jess and Heather um, on the Fundamental Fast Pitch podcast. This is episode 11, Base Running 101, part two. Okay, so as we previously previously on Fundamental Fast Pitch, um, <laughs> we covered a bunch of stuff. You can go back and listen to it if this is your first podcast. Um, basically, the P's and Q's going from first base to second base to third base, some of the basic rules. But this is going to be part two, the advanced part of base running. And I'm going to do, as long as it's okay with you, Heather, what I did last time and kiss it, kick it to Coach Jess. I think yeah, it belongs absolutely. I think it belongs <laughs> <laughs> not not because of any speed reasons, because Heather is an excellent base runner, so do not let her fool you guys. Um, okay, so like Mike said, these are just a few advanced situations that if you have either runners or as a team, you're pretty um, fundamentally sound on the bases. These are some things that you can be doing to squeeze a little extra out of your offense, um, especially in tight games or um, things of that nature. So again, on the, on the idea of always busting it hard out of the box, hard off the bag, um, being aggressive and good, strong, strong leads and strong base running, no matter what base you're at. Um, I'm just going to kind of tee up a few different situations that we can talk through that you guys may or may not already be doing or know about. So, um, first things first is out of the box. Um, let's say we've got a runner on three, and it's either a drop third strike or a ball four, um, specifically a ball four. Uh, as a runner, you need to be busting it down the line because um, your coach should have the ability to send you to two if they want to. Now, they cannot do that if you're lollygagging and don't know your count first off or, or just tossing the bat or not paying attention. But if you are aware of the situation, you're in the game and coach wants to send you to two, um, whatever that sign may look like, or maybe they just tell you read it on your own or they point, whatever that is, that is a situation with a runner at three where as a hitter, you can look to take two bases and either draw a throw from a catcher all the way to second base, therefore allowing a smart base runner at third to keep their lead off, look for the throw, and again, knowing their speed and advance home if they'd like, or if, let's say that the catcher doesn't throw it. Okay, that's a gimme base. Now you have two runners in scoring position on a walk. So, uh, again, just one of those things that you can do to open up more opportunities on the bases, uh, score more runs. Um, Jessica, would you take the extra like the base delays. on a walk with, 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 in any situation, like with any outs? Like, or only Are you asking certain... me what I would do if I was running or coaching? Matt, if you were coaching. Is there any instance where you wouldn't think to with a runner on? Um, yes. If I have a very, like a very, very big lead and I want to, I don't want things getting necessarily out of control or maybe they're already out of control and I want to make sure that I'm still being a good sport and not trying to just um, grind the other team into the dirt. That would be an instance where as a coach, I would, I would not steal my runners. I would not take extra bases. I would not go on pass balls. And I would even be giving hit runs instead of, um, let's say, if the pitcher's struggling, and that's how we're getting a lot of base runners is a lot of walks. Um, as a coach, I'm I'm a big believer in being a good sport and teaching the girls sportsmanship. So in that instance, any time that a game is kind of getting out of control, as aggressive 
active as I am on the bases, all of that stops um, whenever kind of big numbers come into play. Is that kind of what you were asking, Mike, or something, that or was, situationally uh, something different? No, I was kind of trying to lead you there. Um, <laughs> what about finding okay. the well, ball mission in accomplished. the accomplished. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Hey, I've been around you a fair bit, so I kind of <laughs> kind of idea what you were thinking there. What about mm-hmm. finding the ball in the outfield? Um, yeah, so uh, if you're, again, if you're out of the box and you know you hit it in the outfield, um, basic rule of thumb is anytime the ball's to the outfield, it's a lot easier to turn and open your body to find the ball. So as a hitter, let's say you hit it to right field and you're, you see the ball in front of you, you can see it's in the outfield. You don't necessarily know if you're going to have the opportunity to take second base, but you're going to go ahead and round. You can open your body up to find the ball and then come either come back or go back to the bag. Um, there's no rule that says like you always have to lead off and like open left and find the infield. Like you, you want to always position your body and your eyes specifically to be able to find the ball and um, make whatever move you need to without relying on a coach to tell you go or where the ball is or things things like that. So anytime the ball's in the outfield, whether you're leaning off and the ball is hit or whether you hit the ball and you're looking to take extra bases, you always want to open up your body to find that ball before you make that decision. All right. Um, how about a delayed steal? Yeah. So Heather talked about this briefly. Um, delayed steal is um, exactly as it sounds. You're not stealing right away. There's a bit of a delay before you take the next bag. Um, as a coach, I teach my batter or my runners to get a good hard lead and kind of take these like creeper steps moving towards the next base. And then as soon as the catcher releases the ball back to the pitcher, uh, then you would be ready to advance to the next base. Now, Again, that's one of those situations, kind of what I asked earlier, Mike. Let's say you get a steal signing and you know you're going to be out with a delay steal. That would create an opportunity for the runner to make that decision and throw on the brakes and get in a pickle or run down if they think they're going to be a dead out. Um in that certain situation, or let's say that the catcher comes hard out of the box and you're given a delay steal sign. Well, just because coach gave you that sign, if the catcher is coming out and rounding in front of you and pushing you back to the previous bag, that is an instance where you wouldn't go. You would just retreat to the bag you came from because the catcher did a good job of holding you there. Um, one thing I do want to talk about, and this kind of goes back into the, um, in fact, we'll go ahead and skip to the interference and obstruction notes that I have here in front of me. Um, let's say you get a delayed steal and you're going to be a dead out. So you get in a rundown as a runner. Um, how do you get out of a rundown? Um, a few options there is the, the easiest option is look for somebody to gently, and I reiterate gently because I am not condoning violence or WWE out on the softball field. Um, but as a runner, you have every right to the base path. So if you can find a de- defender that is not, not paying attention or let's say throws the ball and no longer has it. It is kind of just standing there buying a ticket, watching the game, seeing what's happening rather than actively being part of the play. If as a runner, if you bump into them, um, that is um, obstruction on their part and you are awarded like the next bag. So um, in fact, I think it's like dead ball obstruction. I don't quote me on that, but I know that if the contact is made when a runner is in a rundown with a player that does not have the ball, um, 
um, they are entitled to the next base. So runners and rundowns, I teach you guys to um, look for somebody to gently bump into, um, uh, throw a couple of like uh, juke moves in there, quick stops, turns, and then also follow the eyes of the person that is receiving the ball. So let's say your back is turned to the person that's throwing and you're running at the person under the base that's getting ready to catch the ball. Look at their eyes and their eyes are going to follow the ball. Typically their glove is going to move to where that ball is. So as soon as you see that, and moving that direction, get in their way of the throw. Try to impede that throw so that it hits you in the head, the back, whatever is necessary to get you out of that rundown and save you from being an out. Um, so that's, again, kind of a way to get out of uh, a rundown if you are a base runner. All right. And, and what about Heather, do you going... have anything to add on that? Uh, no, I was just going to ask you, when would Coach call a delayed steal? Oh, good question. Um, uh, again, this is going to be coaching preferences, but a couple of opportunities. Um, one we talked about on part one, let's say you've got a close game and a speedster on third base and a pitcher or pitcher and catcher that are just not paying attention. Um, that would be if you're if you're brave enough, if you're a, a risky coach or a risky base runner, that would be an opportunity to try to squeeze a run and shift the momentum that way um, going from third to home when a pitcher is not paying attention. Um, that also goes to any other base where a pitcher is not paying attention. Or um, let's say it's um, um, let's say it's uh, you have, you're a runner at first and the uh, you don't have a delay steal, but the catcher tries to pick off the runner at third base. Just because coach doesn't give you a delay steal or steal or tell you to go that would be a read situation where it's kind of like a delay steal because you're not going right away but you're seeing the ball thrown to another base and taking advantage of nobody paying attention to you as a runner so i would see that as an opportunity to do that as well so um, as another runner, time would be let's say you have so you're sorry go ahead, as a runner, you should always know where the ball is as a runner like never turn your back to the ball or or turn your head away from the ball uh, absolutely. That is a, that's a absolute that must a have rule of thumb. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a foundational base running 101. Um, uh, just knowing where the ball is at all times so that you can't get out. Um, so that goes right back, back into, let's say that you're running the bases and the ball is hit a batted ball that is hit that hits you as a runner is a dead ball out. So you need to know if the ball is coming your direction and you need to get out of the way. Um, now let's say the ball is hit and it's deflected off of the pitcher's shin and then it hits you. That's different. Um, it hits a defender and then it hits you. Uh, that is not a dead ball out. The ball is still live, but ball off the bat directly to um, a runner in play is going to be an out. So, um, and then same thing, you get into trick plays and you get into pump fakes and first and third plays and a bunch of trickery that could happen while you're on the bases. You just, you need to know what's going on. You need to pay attention, watch the ball and know if someone is trying to throw the ball at you. I find it interesting because I, I feel like base running, of, a lot of this can be achieved by just paying attention, like truly. Um, now you talked about the delayed steal, Jess, and, and when you might want to do it. What about going from first to third on a sacrifice bunt? When is that something you might want to try? Um, yeah. So again, um, these are more advanced. These are kind of aggressive situations, but um, typical rule of thumb is on defense with a runner at first, you'll have, 
have your corners crashing and your, your shortstop would cover second base and then third base would typically be left open with um, left field coming in to cover if it is left open. Um, I coach that it's typically the responsibility of the third baseman or the catcher, whoever does not get the bunt, to go fill in that bag at third base. But let's say it's left unattended. If I have a speedster at first base, um, and again, this is something that, that we have practiced and we talk about ahead of time. In fact, we have a secret signal that says, hey, you're looking to go two, ba- two bases in this instance until I hold you up. But if at any point, if you're fast and you see a base left unattended, please take it. Like that is to me as a coach, I want the the runners that are going to be aggressive and looking to take extra bases and knowing their speed and um, creating opportunities to either get extra bases or extra runs and um, make them make a play to get you out. So I'm not a like base to base coach. So um, let's say I have a speedster at first, I give a bunt sign and it doesn't even have to be a sacrifice, but it can be a bunt for a base hit. Um, typically with a steal for the runner on first, not necessarily, but knowing that if third base is not being covered, I'm looking for that runner to take third base. And it's one of those things that as a coach, you can't hoop and holler and jump up and down and scream because obviously that's going to tee off the defense that something is happening. So it's one of those, again, knowing what's going on, reading the reading the bases, um, knowing where the ball's at, and knowing if you have an opportunity as a base runner to take that on your own. Okay, awesome. Um, how could we incorporate a squeeze or a safety squeeze into our base running? Okay, so first let's let's talk about what those are, right? So a squeeze bunt is a bunt where um, it's basically a bunted run, um, kind of like a hit and run, but you're bunting. So this happens when you have a runner at third base and you give the batter a squeeze sign. That means that they are bunting the ball no matter where it is. Um, now, some coaches will tell you if it's in the bur- if it's in the dirt, don't bun it. If it's way above your head, you don't have to bun it. But um, depending on what your coaching style is, just know that with a with a traditional squeeze, the runner on third base is stealing home. So the intention there is that you have the batter bunting and you have the runner stealing so that there is no chance or very minimal chance of that runner getting thrown out at home plate. Uh, because basically they're getting a jump on the ball by stealing home. Now, one thing with that is you have to be cautious, very cautious because if the ball is popped up, then you risk running into a double play situation where they could catch it and throw your runner out at third base. But um, typically a squeeze is where you're trying to, again, squeeze in a run. Um, as a bunter, as a hitter, it is no matter where the ball is, you're doing everything you can to at least foul it off or protect that runner from being an easy out. Um, so that's that's a situation, again, risky but super fun, um, definitely a momentum changer. Um, that's, a, that's another way to kind of get the ball rolling, especially in a tight game. Let's say it's 0-0 or 1-0 where you're playing for one run and you're at the bottom of your lineup or you've got a hitter that's struggling on deck and you just you feel the need to make something happen and maybe to take that risk. That would be a good situation to do that. Um, now, there's also the safety squeeze, which is a little bit different. A safety squeeze is... Same concept, you give the, the bunter a squeeze. It's no matter where the ball is, they're getting it down. But you have the runner that takes a good hard lead and they don't go 
until they see the ball down. So they're going to take a more aggressive lead than normal, but it's not your typical like straight steal home as you would see on a normal squeeze. And again, these are just, these are instances where no matter where the ball is, no matter what the pitch is, you are at least fouling it off with the goal of putting a bunt in play or the runner that is at third base stealing home to score safely. And then on that too, um, again, just next level base running, if I'm the, if I'm the bunter and a coach gives me a squeeze sign, I like to teach my bunters to be thinking and looking and going to second base because you got to think in that instance, um, runner at third base, let's say first and second base are unoccupied. Corners are going to crash. First and third are coming in. Pitcher's going to crash. Uh, shortstop is going to go cover third base. Second base is going to go cover first base. Your left fielders and your right fielders are going to be backing up the throws to either first or third. And then your center fielder would be crashing in to come and cover second um, just in case like that runner would go. Now, I will tell you nine times out of 10, until you get to the advanced softball level, whether that's high school or um, college ball, the center fielder is not going to be paying attention. They're not going to be covering second base. Um, so to me, that's a, a relatively safe bet with, in a squeeze situation. Your bunter is going to be thinking to right out of the box. Um, and if they happen to make a play at first base and they throw you out without you having opportunity to go to, then that's still mission accomplished. You know that run scores, you did your job. So it's a win-win either way you look at it there. Okay, awesome. How would you tackle base running, Jessica, with two outs? With two outs, I think we talked about that a little bit in the. In Excuse the me, I, I'm I'm sorry, I read that incorrectly. Base running with a full count. Sorry about that. That's okay. So, um, <laughs> with a full count, um, I think it does depend on how many outs there are. So, with a full count, um, you're expecting to go on the next pitch. So if you're the runner at first base and it's a full count and there's two outs, then you know that you are going on the pitch because it's either going to be a walk or a strikeout or the ball's going to be put in play. So you know that you're advancing. Let's say you're a runner at second base with first base open behind you and it's a full count. Um, you're not necessarily going to go because if it's a walk, it's not it's not a force play. It's still a read. It's a live ball. So um, you're going to be looking to go four on contact, especially on a ball to the outfield, but you're not necessarily going to go. Um, let's say you're a runner at third base and it's full count. Again, same thing with a runner at third base. You're knowing that, hey, my my batter is going to be busting it hard out of the box. So if she hits it, it's going to re be a read play unless there's two outs. Obviously, we're running with two outs. But if the ball's in play, I'm going to read it. If I can make it, I go. If I can't, then I stay or hold or listen to my coach. And if it's ball four or drop third strike, I know that my batter is going to be busting it down the line with the potential to take two. So if I'm a runner at third base, I'm looking to see if that throw is being made to two, keeping my lead, and then making a decision on if I have time to go four or not. Awesome. And could you incorporate base running speed um, into that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So all of this, all of this base running is going to be coming down to knowing your speed, knowing the situation, knowing if you need to squeeze a couple of runs in or if you can afford to be conservative, um, if it's early in the game. 
theme, if it's later in the game, um, uh, younger our younger audiences in select ball, uh, we play time limits in tournaments. So it's a little bit different than your your older girls. We've got set innings and you know exactly how many opportunities you have left and when to press and, and things like that. So a lot of base training too is going to be as a coach managing the clock and knowing when you can afford to be conservative and when you need to put some pressure on and be aggressive and try to make things happen. But um, just because you are not fast does not mean you cannot be a good, smart, great base runner. Um, I think it's really important that our younger audiences understand that. No, absolutely. I mean, speed kills, you know, but at the end of the day, if you don't know what you're doing, it doesn't really do much for you. Um, There's also a difference between being fast and being quick. Yes. I mean, you're getting good heart. And, and, and as you talk about like leadoffs, um, your leadoff should be um, the defense should think you're stealing every time you lead off. That's that's a there's a difference between that kind of lead off and a big lead off. You can get a giant lead off, but if it's slow, it's it doesn't. You're not tricking anyone. You're not giving yourself yourself an advantage. So there are a lot of nuances also to the to base running. Absolutely, um, wholeheartedly agree there. Jess, what what what? Excuse me. What about if a ball is hit behind you and you're on second base? Yeah, so that's that's one of my favorite ones because that's when you can really know when you've got good, smart girls on the bases. If I have a runner that's on second base, um, in this instance, it doesn't matter if you're fast or slow. You should be – as soon as the ball is hit, you can read the angle of the bat. You know it's going behind you. You know you've already got the ball beat and you're at least a couple of steps ahead of it. You're looking to take three no matter what. So you're beating that ball to third. But let's say like you're fast or quick or either or you're re picking up your coach on a ball hit behind you at second base, you need to be thinking four until you're held up. So what I mean by that is, let's say you get your hard lead off, balls off the bat, you see it behind you, you're running, 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 you are anticipating, hey, I'm scoring until your coach throws up that stop sign. Or maybe they say, hey, turn and look, turn and look, find the ball, whatever it is. But in your mind as a base runner, you're scoring until you're told otherwise. Absolutely. Um, interference when base running, I think you kind of talk, talked about that as well. You want to talk about the difference between interference and obstruction, Jessica? Um, I do, but I'm actually going to kick this one over to Heather because I think she did a fantastic job of explaining interference in the first episode of part one of our base running. And she's going to do a great job of explaining obstruction as well, especially as, as a catcher and also how to avoid that. Um, so Heather, I'm going to let you take this one. So interference is something we touched on in part one, and it's when the offensive player impedes the defensive player's ability to make a play on a ball. So uh, let's say you are the runner on second base and the ball is hit to shortstop. Um, if you take off and you bump into the shortstop, uh, that would be impeding that shortstop's ability to make a play on the ball and that would be an out. It should be a dead ball out. Um, I'll note that the rules I've read uh, do not say that there has to be contact with the defensive player. So um, anything such as, you know, maybe you stutter stepped right in front of that uh, defender um, or say you were running at the defender and the defender had to stop uh, the direction they were going to avoid a collision with you. 
um, that could also be interpreted as interference by the umpire and that would be an out. So as the base runner the safest thing for you to do is to um, of course always know where the ball is so that you can avoid the ball um, but go back behind the defenders rather than trying to go in front of them uh, when possible. Now obstruction is kind of like the the opposite um, of interference. Obstruction is when the defensive player is impeding the offensive player's path to the base. Uh, so it is the defensive player's duty to allow the runner to get to to have access to a bag unless the defensive player has the ball, possession of the ball. So um, if, if obstruction is in play and the, the most probably the most common instance of this is going to be like the, the ball is hit and the runners uh, taking off for first and the first baseman goes to cover the bag to make a play but then they realize there's not actually going to be play made at first but they just stand there they don't get off the bag and get out of the way um, in that instance it would be obstruction and the uh, the runner could go ahead and, and try to make it to second base on that um, without the liability of being thrown out at second base. So when the umpire wants to call obstruction, what he'll do is he'll put his right fist out to the side. It's not vocalized. It's something that you have to pick up on, notice on the fly, and adjust to. Um, but if you see that, go ahead and try to advance because you can't be thrown out on the play. Now the umpire has discretion to to say, well, I don't think you would have made it on that play, you know, even if there was no obstruction, so I'm going to put you back at the previous base. But in my experience, I don't really think that has happened too many times that I can recall at least. Um, but that's obstruction. Uh, you cannot be in the way of the, of the base um, unless you have possession of the ball. All right, excellent. Um, anything else you guys want to add uh, on this advanced section of base running podcast? Base running. Yeah, I'd like to add, um, just as coaches, a few ideas to help teach base running. Um, the best thing you can do is replicate situations in practice. So there's um, there's a drill that we like to do. I just call it the freeze drill. Um, so you put defenders in situations uh, or you put your runners on base or both, depending on the size of your team or how many siblings or parents you can rope into joining you for practice, but um, you put everybody where you want them and then you tell them to freeze. You hit the ball and then you tell everybody to go. And this allows especially our younger players to have some time to think about what they're supposed to be doing before they're expected just to react. Um, so you can kind of replicate things that way. Obviously, um, controlled scrimmages where you can take time to walk through situations and um teaching opportunities with balls in play and, and uh, against other teams. Or um, there's another way that we like to do against softball school where you can just, you can whiteboard, you can pull up a, like a picture of a softball field and whether it's try erase or colored pencils or gel pens or whatever it is, um, drawing where your runners are and where the ball goes and how many outs and giving them situations where they can not only ask questions, but also write down notes and um, kind of write down what you're teaching them so that they can look back on it and implement it in the future or ask questions in the future. But um, again, I just want to reiterate, especially on base running, that you're going to have different types of learners. You're going to have those that 
can be told one time and they can do it. You're going to have the girls that need to write it down. You're going to have the players that need to be shown. You're going to have the players that need to be hands-on. So when you're teaching base ringing, it's going to be a combination of different things in order to meet every single one of your players where you're at. Um, but just know it's something that, again, the more you practice, the better you get at it, just like reps of, of anything else. So that's that's kind of how we like to teach situations and base running. And then more than anything, go watch softball. Go watch baseball. Um, as parents, coaches, sit down with your players, talk through things, let them ask questions, like learn the game where you can not only enjoy spending time with them and just watching a little bit of little bit of the games yourself, but also taking an opportunity to teach them as these plays unfold. Absolutely. And I think my dog is letting us know that it's time to wrap up this section of the Base Running 101 podcast, <laughs> the advanced section. Um, Heather and Jess, thanks for joining us again tonight. Everybody, thanks for, for joining us. Remember to like, subscribe, and share because all social media platforms. And we'll be back later on the week with another edition of the Fundamental, ah, of the Fundamental Fast Pitch Podcast. Thanks for listening in, everyone. Have a great day.